Welcome to episode 8 of the County Dairy Post Political Podcast. This week we speak to Sinn Féin Councillor for Mid-Ulster, Catherine Elitar, about the need for local housing, rejuvenating the planting area of Balna Screen and suffering discrimination while living in England. Could you tell me why you got involved in politics in the first place? I well, I was involved in or was interested in politics from a very young age. I suppose growing up in Balance Screen in the nineteen seventies and nineteen eighties, you couldn't help but notice what was going on around you and question why these sort of things were happening. Like you would come home from the youth club or the Irish dancing class and there'd be soldiers lying in your garden looking up at you. Um, and you maybe only were maybe 10, 11, 12 years old and you sort of just accepted that that's what happened at that time. But really, when you look back on it, I mean, that's not normal. If any 10 or 11 year old around here was to come home now and thank soldiers with camouflaged faces and guns sticking up at them, people would be outraged by it. It's not normal and it should never be normal. And then around the time of the hunger strikes, I was in first year at uh, secondary school, I was about 12. So everybody really, you know, around that sort of same age at school was interested in and what was going on in politics, interested in the hunger strike, why it was happening, and was admiring them for doing, you know, what they were doing, standing up for what they believed in, for, you know, their strength, their vision for a new Ireland for all of us. And then I went to live in England when I was about 19 for a year, but I ended up staying there 15 years. And I was still very interested in politics here, because when you move to England, you see things are reported in a different way. And I realised as well that the English actually don't really care about us. Irish politics is not on their their radar. It's the same thing with Brexit now. You know, they've got their own things to be interested in and their own issues to be interested in. And here really isn't one of them. But when I was when I lived there, I was working in uh, community education in the East End of London. So I've always sort of had a very community based job. And then when I came back here. I um, joined Sinn Féin and then was asked to stand for election in 2010-2011. So that was a big honour. It was a bit, um, I suppose, daunting at the time, but it was something I was very interested in. So I was very honoured and happy to do it. You mentioned there about being in England. Well, that, I suppose that would have been the late 80s, 90s. That would have been a um, difficult enough time for, for the Irish people living in England. There was a lot of things um, going on at the time and... As I say, people had very different viewpoints in England. And I realised very quickly that in England, people have never been given Irish history. They, they don't actually understand or have never been told, the majority of people, actually what has happened in Ireland. So um, I was happy to to educate them on some of those things. But even when my children went to school, my son was born in 1990. And when he was at school, we lived in the east end of London. Um, you know, when he was about five or six years old, we were at a birthday party. And one of the wee boys called him an IRA bomber because I think that was around the time maybe of the Docklands bombing. And, you know, straight away I had to say to his mum, like, well, you know it's not really appropriate you know that your son is but obviously they're only five and six so they've they've heard it you know somewhere else but his mother um had a word with him and in fact they've been friends now best friends since then so the both of them are now 30 30 31 and they've been friends since then and it's just shows really that as i said a lot of people in england i don't know about scotland and wales obviously because i've never lived there but it does show that a lot, a lot of people in england actually don't know really what's going on here and what has been going on here why it's been going on and once they realize that what has been done by the the british and the english in ireland they're actually quite shocked 
you know, and then they do become more interested. But as I said, Brexit shows that people that are living, especially in the south of England, they have no no idea what's going on here. Just as like we have no idea what's going on in Scotland or Wales, you know, in, in local areas and what their issues are. Those sort of issues are just relative to the people that are living in those, those areas. Coming back to council then, what would you say has been your best achievement or your most proud moment on the council? I was... Vice chair in 2012, I think it was, and then chair um, 2013. And that was a big honour to be asked to do that. But I think the best thing about that and the biggest achievement that I felt um, being in those positions was being able to meet people in the local community, meet local groups. I mean, we all know local groups and organisations within our own area, but to be able to meet them throughout was a Marfelt area at that time and bring them into council and bring uh, schools into council as well, because when I was growing up, you didn't really know about council. You didn't know where the council was probably, what they did. You didn't even probably know who the councillors were. But I find that's a big difference now and that it's great. We were able to bring in local school children. They would come into council. They have their own they have their own school councils, so they understand the way things work. They're able to come in to get a history of the council or tour around the council chamber and all those things. And I think that it's great that uh, council is a lot more accessible now to young people uh, and to all those groups that come into council because say years ago maybe I lived in a, in a different place I don't know maybe people were going into councils but I personally when I was that age never you know never would have even known where the council was and then on the flip side what would you say has been your your biggest challenge on council so far the challenges are always trying to get things done within a limited budget and that's not just the council budget that's the executive budget as well so all the time you're trying to work um, for local people trying to get um, potholes fixed flooding issues sorted out housing problems and all those things are very important to the people that um, are affected by them and sometimes government departments can move quite slowly on those things and you do get frustrated with that because obviously the person that's affected by the issue wants it solved as quickly as they can and we want to be able to try and solve it for them as quickly as they can but that's not always possible. I also found it a bit challenging when I first joined council I suppose and became a councillor that people wondered why I had joined Sinn Féin. They wondered why I hadn't joined some other party. There seems to be a preconception out there of who Sinn Féin members are and what they believe and and what you know what they do and there's a wrong perception you know I had to tell people well I'm the same person that I was yesterday and last week do you know what I mean just because I've become a Sinn Féin councillor doesn't mean that I'm going to suddenly become a, the stereotype that you think I should be I think a lot of people thought that maybe because I lived in England for a long time, that I wouldn't be in Sinn Féin for some reason. And I, I don't understand, you know, why I say people have got these strict stereotypes of what they think people are in different parties. But Sinn Féin's a party that I joined because um, I believe in the goal of a, of a united Ireland. So to me, it, it was a natural choice for me. But just other people don't seem to, to see it like that. And I have had people when I was chair of the council who would come along after different things who wouldn't want to shake hands with me because I was a Sinn Féin councillor. And I think that's very sad because to me, I, I don't see any, any differences or any barriers between anyone. I would like to think that I treat everybody the same. 
and that I, I wouldn't never react like that to, to anyone, no matter you know who they were or where they were from. So it, it was a bit, I did find that a bit of a challenge, that people had these preconceptions and before they even knew me or had met me, had, had made a decision about me. You were first elected in 2011 and you polled 409 votes and then three years later you, you tripled your vote. What do you think contributed to that? I would like to think that we have a good, strong team and we work as a good, strong team in South Derry and all over, but in South Derry in particular. And as I said, we do be out on the ground quite a lot. We're involved in the local community. We try our best, um, you know, to help to help people with different things, road issues, flooding, housing, welfare issues. And I, th- I think it is really important to be to be with the people. In fact, do you know what I mean? We, we live in our local communities. We're suffering from the same problems problems and everything that, that our that our constituents are. So we're all working together for for a common goal. And I think that we have a good team in South Derry that um, that does that and does work hard for our local people. You did mention antisocial behaviour in the planting area of, of Bonnescreen. That seems to have been an ongoing problem. How big an issue is it for the area? It's it's been an ongoing problem over a long number of years. I remember when the planting first opened up, and now I sound like a really old person saying things like this, but I was in P7, and I can remember we used to have a walk down the planting and think, oh my God, this is just wonderful, you know, this place. But it's sort of over the years then got a reputation for um, people going down and, and, and drinking late at night. It's a very dark, sort of, you know, wooded environment that you could go way down in the evening time and sit down there and nobody would be walking down around you because it is dark and then people would just sit down there and, and drink and chat and things like that unfortunately though some people have indulged in antisocial behavior like destroying the benches that were there for people to sit on and, and ruining the bins and wrecking fences and all that sort of thing so there is going to be work done on the plant that's starting now in march and hopefully we'll finish in june where there's going to be some money spent through the, the peace program um, by the council and we're going to repair all those benches everything but we're going to put low level lighting in there so it'll try and encourage people to walk around it in the evening time when it when it is a bit darker, so that hopefully um, anyone carrying out antisocial behaviour won't get the chance to. They won't want to be down there because they'll be too visible. But but it, it, it definitely is a worry. Like you know, people are are, are worried that the, the money will be spent fixing up the planting in the Fairhill area, and then people will you know destroy things. And that's really I think is trying to get through to the people that are destroying the things that you know you're destroying your own local community local people and local ratepayers that are that are your parents your friends your aunts your uncles that are that are paying the money you know to to have these sort of things in your local community if you're destroying it you're destroying it for yourself and destroying it for your family and your cousins and you know it's not it's not just a bit of fun that it actually is serious and i know that sometimes young people we were all young we all did things probably we shouldn't have done and you don't always think in that way sometimes um but i know that the local schools and columns and um st mary's here in balance they have gone down and they've done litter picks in the plant and they took part in different environmental things down there so just to encourage young people to have a bit of ownership you know of that area so that they would enjoy it and and, and they wouldn't want to be engaging in sort of any antisocial behavior but then we have to say as well that all the antisocial behavior may not be totally you know people who live in balance screen people have young people have cars and different things these days and come from different places and it could just be a, a meeting place we'll just have to get the community when it is fixed up and the lights are there to take ownership of it again i think you know and go down and use it um, a lot of people are scared to go down maybe and use it 
in the dark or if there's um, glass or things that have, you know, broken glass that's lying around that people have left behind. So they probably, when the lights and that are there, will want to go down and use it more and maybe that will, will help solve the issue. We can only, we can only hope. Am I right saying you're a midwife? I am indeed, yes. Yeah, um, what was that like? balancing or what is it like balancing such a demand and, and at times emotionally draining role with your role as a counsellor? It's difficult I'm not going to lie but every counsellor has a difficult balance and issues between work their personal life and the council. Since I was elected last time I've gone down to part-time work as, as a midwife and um, because it fits in a lot better with my um, time constraints. It is obviously being a midwife and especially during this pandemic it has been very challenging, it has been very draining, but at the same time, I feel very lucky to have a job because so many people at the minute don't have jobs and I feel lucky that I'm able to go out to my work and to meet people and I think that it keeps me grounded in a way. I think most local councillors are grounded because, you know, we live in our, say, local communities, we do normal jobs, all of that sort of thing. But if there's an issue comes up at council and perhaps, you know, people get themselves very exercised about it. But to me, I, I'll maybe look at it and think, well, yes, that is important. But at the same time, no one's died. No one's ill. You know, it it's maybe not, yes, it needs to be solved. But, you know, there, there's bigger things and more important things going on in life sometimes than just that. So I do think it gives me, especially around healthcare issues and things like that, I do have a better, I suppose, maybe understanding because I'm working on it. I enjoy my work and I enjoy being in the council. So if I didn't enjoy them, then I w- I probably it would be a lot more challenging for me. You also mentioned there you were chair of the of Maher Felton in 2013 and you also were vice chair then the previous year. You'd mentioned yeah. in an interview you had some difficulties working as vice chair to, to Paul McLean. Do you think in the years that have passed, have those cross-party relationships improved? Um, no. It, it may surprise everybody, but people do work together very well on a cross-party basis in the council for local residents. Definitely, people do have the same um, goals and you know want to, want to help people in the same way, but... Unfortunately, when it comes to public things sometimes or to media, people like to play up to that. The difficulties I had with Paul McLean, one of them was that in Magrafelt, we only had one chain of office. Some councils had a chain for the chair, some had a chain for the vice chair. We would both carry out different duties within the council as chair and vice chair, and that chain was always historically shared with the chair and the vice chair whenever um you know they were going to functions paul mclean didn't want to share his chain with me i don't know why because the thing is the functions i was taking on and doing he would never have wanted to, to do them traditionally i suppose i don't know in mid probably it's maybe slightly different but um in muckerfelt if there was a function um you know for the gaa a dup chair would not host that function it would be um, it would have been me as vice chair. So I don't I don't know why he didn't want to. He, he shared his chain at the beginning and and then he stopped. But uh, to me, as I say, that's that that was a petty thing because I feel as if I work well with everyone. I have no. Um, I have no gripes with, with anybody from any party. I'm in the council. Obviously, we have um, differences and we have uh, disagreements about different things that we believe in. But that's all part of politics. That's not 
that shouldn't really affect personal relationships and the, the good working together. So I think that things have changed in that I feel maybe that the chair of Mid Ulster Council is a role where whoever's in the chair seems to work better maybe with their vice chair and work better for, for all the constituents you know in, in Mid Ulster. The following year Anne Ford became vice chair and she was also from the DUP but myself and Anne worked um, you know very well together as we should do and I say we're working together it doesn't matter which party we're elected for we're working for all the constituents in Mid Ulster and for everyone in Mid Ulster so well, we obviously have our differences and, and policies and things, and, and that's, as I say, normal. But on the whole, for day-to-day issues, we do tend to work together pretty well. But, you know, people don't maybe like to say that sometimes because they think, you know, they couldn't possibly work well with a Sinn Féin councillor on something, even if it is a common issue and a common goal that they're working towards. Um, they may work with you well in the council, but they wouldn't want to admit to their neighbour next door, to their friend, well, actually, we have a good working relationship at times with the different parties. Um, I'm also on the housing council, and there's one councillor from every council in the housing council. So, you know, it's a mixture of parties as well, and everyone's working towards uh, common goals and things there as well and everyone everybody's constituents whether they're unionists whether they're republican or nationalists everybody has the same issues we we do have things that we we need to be working together towards i suppose at times it's like a almost a guard public and guard private situation where they nearly feel they have to be seen to act a certain way i think sometimes you know definitely sometimes um that happens but you know as I say I I remember saying years ago um, just when I was first elected I remember I was at a public meeting in Marfell Council and I was chatting to someone afterwards who was from the unionist community and I said look you know we only live a few miles apart really we are the same we have the same hope and and aspirations and fears for ourselves and for our children and you know we're neighbours we are the same but he said no we're we're not and uh, and I think that that's sad because yes we're not the same as to say that we have different maybe political goals and different different ideas um about different um about different things but essentially we are neighbours and we are the same I'm sure the way that I worry about my children and my job and Another a unionist from down the road has exactly the same worries, you know, and challenges that I do. You've mentioned Dav quite a lot in recent meetings. How important are those resources to the to the local area? Oh, very important. It's just um, we were all very excited about the um, Dark Sky Centre opening up at Dava. Obviously, the trails have been a big success up there, and. We were all looking forward to that opening, but then obviously with COVID, things have all been been held back. But I think it'll be great for the local community. I mean, when you think about it, when you travel around Ireland and you look at the scenery and everything around different parts of Ireland, we live in a beautiful part of the world here. We should be promoting it more and, you know, getting people to come in and go up and go around the Sparrows and that. In Iscarn, it's the same thing. Since lockdown, everybody knows that people are going out an awful lot more. They're exercising outside, all of those things. In Iscarn, goes up to Slave Galleon. It's absolutely 
absolutely spectacular up there but just the problem that we were having at the minute was just with parking and things that there wasn't adequate um, parking there and a lot of local people were just concerned about road safety and farm vehicles and all trying to get about and do their daily work it was a wee bit difficult so thankfully the council had come has come to an interim arrangement for people to um, park at the chapel car park down in Keenacht and then discussions are all going with um, forestry service to try and provide some sort of extra parking there for people to come along of course we want people to come along and see all these beautiful things but we have to be um, sensible as well and think about road safety and you know as I say farmers being able to go about their daily business you know safely on the roads as well so it's all very exciting and we can't wait until Dava opens up um, property again and the dark sky sector. There's been a focus recently about the safety of, of women is there anything that can be done at a local level to, to make people and I suppose men in particular more aware of the dangers that women face? We actually had training through council the Raise Your Voice campaign the people that are involved in that they came, they came and they did online training for us as a council and they did two one hour sessions and to be honest I think that it opened all of our eyes you know sort of to um what can go on and especially uh, a lot of male counsellors as well they would have said you know they would never have have thought that you know that that's the way that that a woman might think or I think they showed us on on one of the training and it happened to be the same thing nearly like Sarah Everett where they came out after an attack in, in the media and said you know women should stay at home and they're saying well really women shouldn't have to stay at home you know to be safe women should just safe so we talked about a whole lot of different issues and I think that they said they do quite a lot of work in schools so I think the things maybe need to start um, from quite a young age you know um, talking to both boys and girls um, as, as they grow up about about equality and about safety and about respect for each other whether it's girls respecting boys or boys respecting girls I think things definitely have changed you know for the better in the in the past few years they're not changing quickly enough so there still is a lot of work to be done there again this is one i've asked everybody there's a couple of years after the council term is there anything in particular you'd like to achieve or have you a kind of global goal that that you're not working towards because i'm on the housing council and also on the board of the housing executive i would like to see more housing in local rural areas but ulster is a very popular place to live Rents can be quite high for people and it would be good to see more um, social and affordable housing in the, in the local area. And we've been working with the housing executive and through council to try and achieve that. The problem with the rural areas, especially very rural areas, I suppose, on the screen, if you go out maybe to Longfield or somewhere, you know, that's very rural. Housing associations don't be attracted to build one or two or three houses. It's not financially viable for them as a business, even though they are providing social housing. So that's maybe something the housing executive are able to borrow again and build that they could perhaps, you know, build just two or three houses in a rural area that are that are needed that the um, housing associations won't at the minute because it's very difficult. People grow up in an area, they want to stay in that area, send their children to their local school, to their local GAA club, but they can't afford a house, you know, in the area where they want to live. So that's definitely something that I would like to see changing and we'll be working towards that over the next few years. Thanks for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed it, give it a share on social media or subscribe via your podcast player of choice. If you have any questions for future guests, get in touch via email on editor at dairypost.com or contact us via our social media channels.